What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 133 of the Stand Up Guys podcast. I'm your host, the incomparable Zach Jones, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother from the same mother, Lester Jones. What's up, everybody? Your mic is coming in hot. (laughs) And, of course, we got the ninth wonder, Chocolate Thunder. The Prince of Principles, the Earl of Ethics. He never steals, he never curses, he only fingers prison purses. The phenomenal A.J. Singh. Prison purse is like a man's bowl. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I guess technically it could be a lady. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, what have you guys been doing this week? You watch anything good? You do anything good? What you start to... <laughs> What did I even watch? I watched The Northman and I, I watched some more Lord of the Rings. Which, you just watched all the Lord of the Rings movies and now you're like watching them over again. It's just like background noise. It's There's nothing good out there. Well, I have something to the contrary when we get to what I've been watching. But. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Family guy. Well, that's the show I've been working out to. <laughs> Very loudly on my head. <laughs> Uh, I haven't really watched anything new. I've been, like, yeah, same with uh, you guys. I put on, like, background noise, like, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, stuff like that in the background. Just watch my phone. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend for the 19th time. <laughs> um, so, how, how about The Northman? What do you think? It's one of those movies I've been thinking about watching, but I haven't. It's okay. It's not perfect. It's not amazing, but it's okay. Well, that sounded man. like a rousing <laughs> endorsement. I'll watch it. <laughs> Have you ever got... Because I've never, uh, that was directed by Robert Eggers. I've never watched any of his other movies, The Witch or... Um, the Witch was pretty good. The Lighthouse. I heard, That's one I thought about watching. I heard that one's like just weird. I, I thought about watching The Witch as well, but I never have. You like that one? Yeah, I like The Witch. What's... Is it... Um, I heard that it's mostly like about like, uh, I don't know, like what Protestants and like religion. Yeah, you know, it's... A take on the uh, colonial witch stuff. Don't want to give too much away, but family tension and things. Playing it quiet. <laughs> Man, I was hoping you guys would fill more time. Uh, uh, so I kind of have my week-to-week shows like CSI, Carnival Row, and Picard. I'm, I'm, uh, don't have much more to say about those, except that I am uh, liking all of them. And, like, even though I'm not, like, a Trek expert, like, I don't know a lot about Trek, I've heard that, like, even, like, uh, you know, older Trek fans that kind of hated the first two seasons of Picard, like, a lot of them are liking this season. They're coming around. Yeah. Like, I hate this, but I can't stop watching. Well, I think it's because, um, well, maybe I'm wrong, but, like, it, it's filtering, like, in all of the characters from Next Generation. So, like, Worf is there and mm. Dr. Crusher and Riker. and They're bringing the whole gang back. They're slowly turning it back into. <laughs> but I think this is the last season, so I don't think, like... Uh, man, Patrick Stewart, man, he's, like, in his 80s, I think. He's, pretty, he's, he's getting, getting up, up there. Okay, so the show that I really like this week, though, is... um, um, Have you guys ever watched Luther? No. Or that, you know? That's a Sandman spinoff of The Devil? No, no, no. That's with the Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Oh no, that was just straight Lucifer. <laughs> Idris Elba plays a uh, uh, a detective, and um, Luther. yeah, Luther, <laughs> the danged. He's not the damned. But, uh. Although Luther's his last name is John Luther. Yeah, okay. But uh, the reason this went on my radar is I noticed that Netflix was advertising like a Luther like 
TV movie, basically. And I had watched Luther in the past, but it's one of those shows where, like, there's big gaps between seasons to accommodate, like, Idris Elba doing, like, movies and the other stuff he's doing. So, like, sometimes it'll go, like, years between. And, like, I found out that there was a once uh, a season that I, I hadn't watched, uh, the fifth season. So I was like, well, there's this movie coming up, so I'll watch this uh, season I haven't seen yet. And, man, it was really, really good. Like, this is a solid-ass show. Um, and honestly, it's it, even though it's like five seasons in, it's not a huge time commitment because each season is only like three or four episodes. Like, they're not long seasons. What's the backstory? Uh, so, basically, each season, generally, there'll be some sort of serial killer. Okay. I like serial killers. That, you know... Uh, He's trying to take down, but also like they're really good at like he'll also have something going on in his personal life that usually involves him breaking the law himself. Ah. So there's usually tension there. Like there's always like kind of a uh, a cat and mouse game going on. Always uh, they find good ways of being uh, being suspenseful. Lots of good twists and turns. Like it, it is really like a good uh, suspenseful uh, show. Uh, and the the serial killer stuff is usually pretty compelling as well, um, and I yeah I, I mean I, the only weird thing is so when I originally watched I watched it on Netflix and then I saw like they got this movie coming up so I was like okay let me check into the show it's weird because right now the show is not on Netflix it's on Hulu so I'm like it's weird that they got the rights to make this movie but somehow didn't iron it out to where the shows are available yeah. on Netflix. So Hulu's getting a lot of secondary watches. <laughs> I'm guessing they are. But yeah, I thought that was uh, pretty bizarre. But yeah, I think the movie comes out like next Friday or something. So, um, But yeah, I highly recommend watching Luther to people. It's a great show. Yeah, I'd heard good things about it. Um, you guys got anything else you want to chat about? All right. Well, uh, I... I think I got some hopefully decent stories uh, this week. Should we get into story time, boys? Let's do it. All right. Well, anyone who hasn't watched or listened to us before, basically what we do is go around the table. Uh, each of us will bring a topic of conversation from around the globe, and we'll see if we can't just make something funny and or entertaining out of it. And as tradition dictates, AJ, we usually start with you. So what do you got for us? Woman addicted to eating toilet paper rolls. Mom says it's like crack. This was one of my potentials. <laughs> <laughs> a woman who's addicted to eating toilet paper rolls says she is getting through around 75 sheets of the stuff every single day, with her mom claiming it's like crack to her. Uh, Kesha, who lives in the U.S. city of Chicago, was featured on TLC's show My Strange Addiction because she has a condition called xylophagia, an eating disorder that concerns consumption of paper. The 34-year-old has been munching uh, Lou roll pretty well every single day for 23 years. She believes that her compulsion comes from a childhood trauma that she suffered in 6th grade when she moved out of her house and in with her grandmother and aunt. But she can't shake the habit these days. All we had to eat was toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, I still don't get how that... <laughs> I think I crave it because I love the way the toilet paper feels in my mouth. How it dissolves when it hits my tongue, she said. She couldn't just eat, like, cotton candy. Yeah. Toilet paper is like crack. Uh, she admits that she had a hard time going to the bathroom if she eats too much uh, and says that she experiences stomach cramps. Kesha also says that she prefers two ply rolls because they're easier to digest. 
uh, her worried mother said every time I'd see Kesha, she'd have tissue in her hand and she, <laughs> she'd try to hide it behind her back. For her, like a toilet paper roll is like a fruit by the foot. <laughs> <laughs> if you try to take it from 75 her, feet, <laughs> she'd get upset. Uh, I've never been able to understand why she eats tissue. I never will. Uh, however, there are real problems with this habit. A psychiatrist, Kim Dennis, told her on the show. She said, "If you if your intestines rupture inside your abdomen, that could be fatal and could be fatal pretty quickly. You're putting your body at risk and playing Russian roulette with your life. Eating paper is obviously not a usual thing to do, and it can definitely be dangerous for you, though it might not ultimately be fatal." Uh, Kesha got a stark warning from the doctor on the show. Uh, the desire to eat things and cravings for things uh, that aren't food is known as pica, which comes from the Latin word for magpie. Uh, I don't know why. Because okay. <laughs> we'll fucking eat anything. Uh, whilst uh, most commonly noticed in pregnant people, it can exhibit in others as well as can... As we can see from this case, uh, in Kesha's case, she was unaware that her condition was potentially damaging to her health until speaking with Kim Dennis. Uh, but hopefully, we will have and uh, we will have found help to stop her putting herself at risk uh, as a result of her strange addiction. So we talked about that lady who ate her mattress before, right? And now this lady is toilet paper. Man, I mean, uh, you, you would think maybe who is it? Procter and Gamble. They they could like. You know, market this to people. <laughs> now in cherry. <laughs> Out of food? <laughs> she, she like, you know, sits on the toilet, like, struggling to take a, a dump because she's doing this to herself. And all the while, she's like, oh, a snack. <laughs> <laughs> it's a vicious yeah. circle. It is, yeah. a cycle. <laughs> uh, I don't know how people get that way, man. I, I've, I think I told you guys before, like, I've heard of cases where people have been lost at sea and, like, their body tells them what nutrients they're missing. So, like, they'll, if they get like a fish in the ocean or something, they'll start eating the eyes because they need zinc. And that's what the zinc is. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of makes sense, you know, like maybe, I don't know, maybe your body can tell what's what. But in this case, I, there's no evolutionary sense to this. No, and it's not like there's any sort of like minerals or anything in yeah. there that like you'd think her body would crave. Yeah, I've heard of people in like, you know countries like poor countries like the like kids will sometimes like eat dirt and same thing it's like their body's missing some sort of mineral or something mm. and so it, they get attracted to the dirt or whatever but yeah this one's especially weird just like the mattress lady because like there's just there's just nothing foam. there yeah but you know it kind of glosses over like i'm like oh like you know we figured it developed when she moved in with her other relatives or whatever but yeah, it's what? like what was just the moving like to a different place traumatizing like well she I, says that it was comforting to have something that was like that just like dissolved in her mouth like the way it felt was comforting but i don't know if that's the exact reason like the correlation to her moving and that happening <laughs> yeah that's very odd <laughs> yeah i don't know what what initially led to her making that decision to put it in her mouth <laughs> also i found it weird that the article mentions that um she finds two ply easier to digest than one ply. You, yeah. you would almost think like the thinner stuff would digest yeah. easier. Dissolve faster and everything on the tongue. Yeah, and you, what you mentioned about cotton candy, that's the same mouthfeel. Yeah. <laughs> Although that might be uh, less healthy since it's pure sugar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the toilet paper might be healthier. <laughs> Maybe the toilet paper is healthier. Yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, definitely a strange case of yeah. what do they call it? Pika? Yeah. <laughs> well, should we roll on over to the manifesto for round one? Rolling off. Uh UK thief admits to stealing thousands of Cadbury cream eggs. Oh, I had this article too. <laughs> so this guy. Hey, hold on. This, this has got to be some Cadbury advertising. Right? <laughs> no, no. So they, <laughs> um, apparently they've got like an industrial like warehouse or whatever, like where they manufacture these things. And this guy goes in there and he uses the metal cutter to get through the gate. He goes in there. He steals like a full truckload of these. And they say it's like. $38,000 worth of Cadbury yeah. cream eggs. How are you going to resell these? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, can you imagine you're just trying to go around selling Cadbury cream eggs? He's got like one of those uh, long like trench coats and he's like, yeah. <laughs> But it wasn't like a thing either where he like, he was just like, I'm going to break in here and steal like something. Like he in particular wanted Cadbury cream eggs. <laughs> They're the new gold. Yeah. <laughs> You know what's weird? I don't think I've ever had a Cadbury cream egg because as a kid, like, I've always hated eggs. So I was like, I don't know, something put me off of trying one and like the goo in the middle. Why, why are you people trying to trick me to eating an egg? That's what it felt like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've had those like chocolate eggs before, like those Easter ones. Like what's stuff. actually in the middle? What is that gooey stuff? I don't know. Just sugar? Probably. It doesn't seem appealing to me. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently it's liquid gold Because <laughs> like if you know Like a whole one of those things They're pretty big Like you yeah. just stuff The whole thing in your mouth Well like, I, I have heard Extra gooey, gooey. I, I have heard fans of them Complain that they've gone down In size over the years uh, <laughs> Size queens <laughs> You want that extra goo Need that extra Five centimeters Oh Anything else on the Cadbury cream caper? <laughs> That's it. They Well, they did catch him. Oh, they caught him? Yeah. Oh, it was the perfect crime. <laughs> <laughs> How many years of prison do you get for stealing Cadbury yeah. cream? Yeah. <laughs> He's I mean, it's serious it, time. 38,000. I assume that's grand larceny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I assume it's technically a felony. Like, isn't it like anything over like a thousand, a thousand or something? Is yeah, a felony. This is the UK, but I'm guessing it's similar, right? Probably, yeah. All right, here's one for you. German ballet director formally apologizes for smearing feces in a critic's face. <laughs> uh, Martin Gecki uh, issued a public apology on Tuesday for smearing dog feces on the face of a newspaper critic whose reviews he didn't like. Uh, Marco Gecki was uh, suspended from his post as ballet chief at the Hanover State Opera following an incident this past weekend where he smeared dog feces on the face of a newspaper critic whose reviews he had been take he t- uh, had taken exception to. A German ballet director issued a public apology on Tuesday for smearing dog feces. Man. I don't like these articles where they yeah. repeat stuff too much. On the face of a newspaper critic whose uh, reviews he took exception to. Marco Gecki was... God damn uh, Okay. The theater's management uh, called on him Monday to apologize comprehensively and explain himself. According to the Daily Frankfurt, <laughs> Frankfurter uh, Algemini Zutung, uh, Gecki approached uh, its, the dance critic, uh, God, Weebke Huster, during the interval of a premiere at the Opera House on Saturday and asked what she was doing there. The newspaper said that Gecki, who apparently felt provoked by a recent review she wrote of a production he staged in the Netherlands, threatened to ban her from the ballet and accused her of being responsible for people canceling season tickets in Hanover. 
He then pulled out a paper bag with the feces and smeared her face with the contents. Um, quote, I would like to apologize sincerely to all concerned. <laughs> you know, there's, there's no sincerity. <laughs> First and foremost, uh, foremost to Miss Houston for my absolutely unaccept, unacceptable act, Houston said in a written statement. In retrospect, I am clearly aware that this was a disgraceful act in the heat of the moment and an overreaction. <laughs> that I planned by having dog shit yeah. in my pocket. In the well, heat of the moment. Well, wait for it, because he's, uh, he's got an explanation. Um, however, he added that it's time for media to rethink a certain form of destructive and hurtful reporting that damages the whole cultural sector and criticize Houston. Oh, that's the real issue here. <laughs> from what he said were often nasty reviews. Uh, Geki pointed to the nervous strain resulting from two premieres in quick succession as a reason for his actions. Uh, quote, I apo- apologize for the fact that I finally blew my top, but I, I also ask for a certain understanding, at least, for the reasons why this happened, he wrote. Huster filed a criminal complaint after the incident. Geki faces an investigation on suspicion of bodily harm and slander. Geki has said that his elderly uh, dash hound had uh, defecated earlier and he had packed the mess into a bag and had been planning to dispose of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, while he says he then acted in the heat of the moment, the critic has contended that it was a premeditated attack. Huster said she was shocked by Geki's statement on Tuesday. Uh, what kind of apology is this supposed to be, she asked on 3Sat Television, describing it as an attempted justification of his actions, a German news agency DPA reported. <laughs> so yeah, he's saying it's not premeditated. He just happened to have a, have a, a, a dog of, or a bag of his dog's shit. Yeah, that's what I always do. I carry it around. <laughs> I might throw it away later. You never know. You might need it for self-defense. <laughs> Can you imagine getting a fight with someone that just break out a bag of dog shit? <laughs> I'd be like, okay, you win. This, yeah. this is over. Yeah. <laughs> bygones be bygones right here. how quick do you think you could act in that it was like is that a bag of shit <laughs> he's gonna smear it on my face <laughs> yeah his, his apology was really half ass like yeah that's... there's no way you can apologize for yeah. that like you're obviously a psychopath that sounds like one of those things they would tell you to do in prison so everybody stays away from you <laughs> yeah. and knows you're crazy <laughs> like smear shit on their face <laughs> There's no way uh, he he keeps his job after that, right? <laughs> he's, he's trying. He's trying. Yeah. His important job is ballet director. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wonder how bad he is with like his like uh, ballet students. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you treat it's one person shit. like that, you probably treat everybody like shit. <laughs> he just has this whole thing of shit that he's gonna either throw away or throw at ballet dancers. <laughs> <laughs> You're always on. <laughs> you never want to give a bad performance. Yeah. I also like find it funny just this whole culture subculture of like people who take ballet serious enough that they read reviews of ballet yeah. and like get upset if there's a nasty review. <laughs> Maybe ballet's bigger in Germany. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's not a, a, exactly a big thing in the States. I mean, people do it, but it's not something. Like, yeah, you probably get some production that comes to town like once a year or something. It's always like that um, China before communism. Oh, one. yeah, the Shen Yun is, always comes through here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I always see billboards for that. They're like a cult. I like, saw like a thing about Shen Yun. Like, they're nuts, man. <laughs> I don't know n- nothing about it. 
Well, it's got to be better than the ballet after communism. (laughs) (laughs) They're just doing military marching. (laughs) (laughs) All right, AJ, you got a story number two for us? Yeah, let's do this. I thought this was just interesting. Uh, I thought I'd heard about this before, but the loudest noise ever recorded was so loud that it could be heard thousands of miles away. But it was significantly worse for those who were closer, blowing out the eardrums of people who were 40 miles away from the source. Consider something so loud that it makes uh, a jet engine or My Bloody Valentine gig seem like a gentle tickling of your eardrums. The sound we're talking about was so intense that it was 10 to the power of 21 times louder than a jackhammer. The noise was so hefty that it it even warped the very nature of the sound waves it created, meaning that it became a pressurized wall of air instead of a traditional sound. Basically, anything you heard or you've heard in the world of drum and bass or heavy metal is just a whisper compared to this. What's more, it was a completely natural sound, and theoretically, it could happen again. When Krakatoa went in 1833, it really went off. Uh, our story begins back in 1883 with the uninhabited volcanic island of Krakatoa. Where Uh, somewhere between the Indonesian islands of Java and Sumatra, suddenly burst into life after centuries dormant. On on August 27th that year, the island was blown completely to smithereens, releasing a force equivalent to that of a 200-megaton bomb uh, and the loudest sound that has ever been recorded in the process. At 100 miles away, uh, at a gas works in Jakarta, the sound was measured at 172 decibels. To throw that into context, the human ear would be, consi- be in considerable pain at 130 decibels, with each 10 decibels adding to that feeling like a doubling of the sound. Uh, the crew of a boat 40 miles away were injured by the shockwave. The captain's log of the Norham Castle read, So violent are the explosions that the eardrums over half my crew have been shattered. Mm. Uh, my last thoughts are with my dear wife. I'm convinced that the day of judgment has come. The shockwave grew quieter as it traveled around the globe, but could still be heard like a distant gunshot around 3,000 miles away. An estimate uh, suggests that the sound would have been 310 decibels in total, which is enough to change the nature of the wave itself. Around 194 decibels, uh, the energy within a sound wave begins to distort and create a vacuum between the waves, meaning that the sound no longer moves through the air, but brings air with it. That means a shock wave, or the great air wave as it was known, uh, which is felt physically and can be seriously dangerous. Uh, <clears throat> one sound that rivals Krakatoa is the eruption of Hunga Tonga Hunga Hapai Volcano in 2022. The wave from Krakatoa traveled several times around the world in either direction before it dissipated, occasionally creating other pressure points as it collided with itself. Since then, the loudest sound recorded is thought to have been 2022 uh, eruption in Tonga, uh, from which a sonic boom could be heard in Alaska around 3,850 miles away. That explosion created tsunamis and pressure waves that reached speeds of 700 miles per hour and up to an altitude of 280 miles, uh, which is above the orbit of the uh, International Space Station. Uh, Science is scary. The natural world is even more terrifying. Man, I mean, that's crazy. Just an act of nature could blow out your eardrums and make you go deaf like thousands of miles away, or 40 miles away, I guess. But even thousands of miles away, you could hear it like a gunshot. Yeah, that's crazy. Can you imagine, like, if something went off like that and, like, we're just all deaf? <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what happened. And there are super volcanoes, like, 
here, like near the West Coast and stuff, or yeah. on the West Coast. So, I mean, yeah. Split second, just like that. Scary stuff. Is which is it Mount Hood? Is that a volcano? No, um, Vesuvius. No, Mount uh, Hood's a volcano. Oh. Um, St. Helens is a yeah. volcano. Right. Those are the two main ones. St. Helens. And St. Helens went off in like the 80s. I think yeah. like 1980. 80. It. I mean, volcanoes like are like one of the things that could like, you know, uh, like uh, I saw this show once. It was like, you know, 10 ways the world could end or whatever. Yeah, I've seen that. And like one of them was like if Yellowstone went off with the potential it has, yeah. like it could just like choke out the whole world, you know. Yeah, isn't that nuts? Like, all this, like, it, the world, it seems like it's been somewhat stagnant. Like, there hasn't been a, a world-ending event, like, for a while. But just like that, it could happen, and 7 billion people get wiped out. I know. It's nuts. I don't even know, like, like I know, like, they have scientists now that, you know, are always monitoring volcanoes. But, like, if if they see, like, something bad's happening, can they, like, like shunt it in some way and release the pressure? How? I mean, well, it's a volcano. They have theorized this because um, they're scared about, like, Yellowstone, mainly, because that's a super volcano. But um, apparently pressure builds pretty slowly. So their idea is if basically you drill a number of pipelines going down through the the earth, they kind of come down and come out somewhere, and you just pump cold water down there, you're going to take the heat away, and you're going to take the pressure away so you can mitigate that explosion. I mean, it's theoretical, but... Well, at least they're thinking about it. Yeah, they've 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 been thinking about it. <laughs> I'd heard like there was like some thought like, what if you put ice onto a volcano that was like about to explode? And it'd be worse. Yeah, it'd probably just turn to steam. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, I can't imagine having enough ice to do something like that. You know, when we first moved to the West Coast, I was like, you know, a little bit nervous because the the earthquakes, the what San Andreas Fault is over on the West Coast. Yeah, I mean, at some point we have to have an earthquake. I I know there have been a couple close enough that people felt them, but we haven't had one yet. Yeah. Uh, There is like a fault line pretty close to here too, right? Yeah, we, we could have earthquakes here, yeah. Yeah. So earthquakes and volcanoes. But I mean... Yellowstone, if that went off, it's not like you we would have been any safer anywhere else in America. Like it's pretty much going to affect everybody. Pretty much the, the Northwest is completely fucked, and pretty much all, everywhere around the world is also fucked. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, well, I remember from that show they said like if it went off like to a certain degree, like even the people who weren't immediately killed, like there'd be so much ash in yeah. the air that it would, you know, eventually just cover the planet and like choke everything out. Yeah, because like you wouldn't be able to grow crops, right? And stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, should we roll on over to Manifesto round two? Ah, so this one's uh, local. Walmart set to close all stores in Portland amid really? record-breaking retail theft. Mm. Oh my, I haven't heard this story. So, That's like, I've never heard of a Walmart closing ever. But um, yeah, apparently they're going to close all of them here. Because uh, there's theft and there's there's like nothing they can do about it. People aren't being prosecuted. It's just going crazy. Mm. And so, yeah. I don't understand, like, the legal laws. Because, like, I, I don't know if you told this story on the podcast, but a couple of weeks ago at your work, you actually caught a shoplifter, and they just let him take the stuff and told him not to come back. Yeah, so, like, I was on, well, I was actually in a building next to my work. I was at the mall, which has been dying. But um, I was on, like, the third floor, and I saw a guy come out of a shop, put a, take stuff out of his pockets, out of his waistband, put it in a black bag, and go into another store. And I was like, oh, this motherfucker's just going in store after store stealing shit. So I go down there and I take the bag. And uh, we call the mall security, and the mall security comes down. The guy comes out, and he's like, you know, he doesn't have receipts for anything. He's just a bag full of new stuff. And 
And like I, I called them because I figured they could mitigate it or do something. And basically the guy stood there and they wouldn't call the cops. And um, basically he just gave the bag of stuff back to the guy. All brand new stolen stuff in the bag and said, I'd like you to leave the mall. And then he just turned around and went the other way. He didn't even check to make sure the guy even left the mall. <laughs> I was like, I, I mean, why are they paying you guys anything? Like yeah. like you're do- literally serving no purpose. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, It's bad out there. I mean, I don't get... Like, they're afraid that if they prosecute these people, then they'll be, like, countersued or something? Or what? So when I, I gave the bag to the security guard, he called his office, and they told him he wasn't allowed to look in the bag or do anything. And then they're like, well, we can't just go off your word, you know, to me. And I was like, what the fuck? They don't have security cameras? Apparently they didn't, because I asked, and he's like, nope. And he just ended up giving the, the bag back to the guy and let him leave. Jeez. I mean, Walmart certainly has security cameras. Yeah, but apparently people aren't being prosecuted. They're not. They're just walking away. Man, that's so crazy. Do you remember? I don't. This memory sticks out to me. Do you remember when mom caught that really old shoplifter? We <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, we we had this department store in town, which actually we both eventually worked for for a while, which was terrible. But um, one one time when we were uh, young, like uh, my mom, like there was this older woman, and uh, my mom noticed like. That she was trying to steal a VHS tape that she like rolled up in her sweater, and uh, so my mom <laughs> ratted her out, and this old lady got in trouble. But like my mom even said, like you know maybe if she was like stealing food, she would have let her go. But she was stealing like like a copy of Miss Doubtfire or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how does as a retail company, how do you survive that at all? Your prices have to go up, you know, and. It's just crazy. It's it's like you're already competing against like Amazon and they don't they're not going to have that kind of shrinkage. They don't have to pay for retail space. And now if you do have retail space, you know, you can't get people prosecuted, you can't stop theft. It's like what's the point of even trying in that environment? I mean, if it becomes too bad, I guess like are all stores just going to be like online only? <laughs> So many stores have closed in my area, and a lot of it's COVID, but they're also dealing with that kind of shit all the time. But then again, like I, I feel like Amazon has such a jump start on people as far as online shopping goes that I don't know if anyone can ever really compete with them on a high level. I, I mean, there's a lot of stores out there, but um, in any kind of those environments, you're almost always going to have like one company is much more dominant than pretty much the rest. That's just kind of the nature of things. Man, that... It just seems so, and we have a Walmart not not too far from us too. Yeah, Portland doesn't have that many WalMarts to begin with. I think yeah. there's three or three or four. Right. But um, I, I think they've kind of kept them out, maybe even. But yeah, apparently all the ones that are here, they're going to close the doors on them. Hmm. Crazy. Yeah, it does seem like Portland's like very anti Walmart. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure why that developed. Most big cities, they're all over the place. Yeah. But yeah, there's a couple around. But yeah, I've never heard of one closing before anywhere. They're just like an evergreen, like staple of places. Yeah, I mean, almost any big city in America has them. Yeah. Well, I've been down to this one, and what's crazy is like underwear were behind one of those glass cases with a lock, and I'm like, who, who, like they're losing enough. They decided this was a good idea, <laughs> and like. You know, it takes like 50 minutes to get a Walmart employee to do anything. <laughs> That's so what I was just thinking. Why, why would you ever buy that? You just like, 
It's like uh, either we don't sell any or they all get stolen. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's a weird place to be in. Yeah. Sir, can can someone get the key to the underwear? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember having to do that with video games back in the day. Yeah. It was yeah. always a pain in the ass. Yeah, the video games are always under lock and key. Although I kind of like, I think like those models where like GameStop where they just have empty box, you bring them the box and they get you one for behind the counter. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that, I mean, that works. It's not a huge pain in your ass. Yeah. Yeah, you don't go out of your way to like, hey, can you open this one? Yeah. Now you're just like, oh, I'll just buy one online and download it yeah. for like six hours. <laughs> it's always, you don't know anything about it. It's always such a hassle going to the electronics department and Target and Walmart. Like, you got to find somebody. Well, they don't have any employees. Like, yeah. and they're like the one guy who's floating around, like, he doesn't want to help you anyway. <laughs> yeah. And he's got like four people in front yeah. of him. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, this sucks. I always hated the the opposite approach where like I I never like going to GameStop and Best Buy because those are the places where they teach like their people to come to you and like just like come on you like a vulture can I help you find something it's like <laughs> just let me look around okay right. I'll come to you if I need something I never liked those like you know car salesman type places yeah, where they just yeah. like <laughs> I saw this one retail place that I thought was pretty smart like they had two color baskets and like if you picked up one is like basically leave me alone if you picked up the other one it's like yeah i could use some help i was like yeah i mean that works (laughs) you know not everybody wants to deal with other human beings (laughs) i'll take a eat shit and die back (laughs) 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 the knife means i'll kill you you know what sucks though is you take one of those and then you you like start shopping and you're like man i really do need some help (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> I need someone to get me the underwear. You like you like have the long basket. And you're like, excuse me, sir, could you help me? And they're like, oh, whoa, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> you done messed up. <laughs> <laughs> can I get in this case? I need one of these dildos. <laughs> it's like Jesus. It's not embarrassing enough. <laughs> I was just gonna get one and go through self checkout. That's another thing. Is self checkout has no. become like. I was in the Walmart not too long ago, and it's like they didn't even have any lane open. I've heard about. It's like you just had to go to self checkout, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, they don't have a single person working to actually help you." Like usually, I prefer self checkout, but if I've got like a bag of tomatoes or something, where I'm like, I'm gonna have to like weigh this and like try to figure out what the fuck I'm doing. It's like (laughs) I don't want to do that. (laughs) Well, you set me up with the uh, the whole dildo thing, so I got a dildo story for you. Always have a dildo story on tap. That's the moral. Um, it's a what? Roman sewing tool turns out to be a dildo. Uh, some 2,000 years ago, Roman settlers established a site called Vindolanda in northern England. Later, in 1992, archaeologists discovered a treasure trove of crafting goods at the ancient fort. Among the scraps of cloth, leather, shoes, and dresses, they found a wooden object. They filed it off as a darning egg, an implement used to mend socks and other clothing. They were likely wrong. A new review suggests that the thing is something else entirely. Quinta Brunson opens the 2023... Oh, man, sometimes when you copy and paste articles, it like yeah. copies like like weird ad photo like nonsense. Um, okay, let me find this. Okay, it's possibly the first life-size Roman dildo. I have to confess, part of me thinks it's kind of self-evident that it's a penis, the study... The study's lead author and Newcastle University senior lecturer of archaeology, Rob Collins, told The Guardian. And he's not wrong. 
Although the object is pretty nondescript otherwise, its thinner tip bears a striking resemblance to the human male equipment. I don't know who entered it into the catalog. Maybe it was somebody uncomfortable with it or didn't think the Romans would do such silly things, Colin said. If it was the latter case, the person really didn't know much about the Romans. Considering how much they love penis imagery, it's quite easy to believe that the thing is indeed an ancient dildo. A dildo, but perhaps not for fun. Indeed, Romans weren't shy about male genitalia. Case in point, one of their gods, Mutunus Teutonus, which I remember we talked about in another episode, was sometimes depicted as just a giant winged penis. But what's significant about the uh, Vindolanda discovery is its size. What makes this a, a, a first is that it's not a small miniature phallus. It's life-size, says Collins. Indeed, at six inches long, the thing is actually a bit longer than the average dong but it may have originally been more sizable. Wood rarely survives the passage of time, and even when it does, it tends to shrink and deform. So the ancient dildo may have once been quite hung. Hey, maybe its owner just liked them big. To our knowledge, this is the first Roman dildo that's been encountered from archaeology. We know from Greek and Roman poetry and art that they use dildos, but we haven't had any archaeological examples Ode found. Oh, to the Grecian dildo. <laughs> which is intriguing in itself, Collins explained. However, even if the object is a dildo, that doesn't mean anybody used to get their rocks off. It may have had a much more sinister purpose. In addition to pleasure, uh, Romans also used various kinds of dildos for pain. Yes, at times, they were tools of torture. We'll probably never know which purpose the Vindolanda dildo served, but Colin sure hopes it was for the naughty fun. That is the most exciting and in intriguing possibility, he admitted. Um, yet despite the penile nature, the object isn't necessarily a dildo. As we mentioned, penis imagery was far from rare in Rome. Romans decorated practically everything with depictions of wings. You, can't f or you can find them on statues, vases, necklaces, mosaics, frescoes, and more. So it could be that the object is indeed a darning egg. Some Roman jokester may have simply found it funny or kinky to carve it in the shape of a penis. Collins and his team have also speculated on the wooden phallus's potential other uses. We had some very interesting discussions, he said. One thing is clear, though. Both heads of the Vindolanda phallus have worn smooth, so it was definitely used for something. The shape of the object's thicker end could indicate that it was used to be a pestle for crushing spices or perhaps cosmetics. In this case, as with the darning tool, the penis shape would be most likely incidental. You got a mortar shaped like a butthole. <laughs> <laughs> Another option is that the penis was once slotted into a statue. Romans believed that the phallus could ward off evil forces somehow. The penis could have jutted out of the crotch of a statue that passerbys would rub for protection and good luck. <laughs> you could uh, spray yourself with silver and be one of those, uh, <laughs> those type of statues and be like, yeah, hope somebody rubbed me for good luck. Uh, no, we're not kidding. These things were common in Rome. In the end, though, we'll probably never know for sure. Unless researchers find some clearly accompanying objects, we can only speculate. <laughs> like the anus bowl you were talking about. Uh, the Vindolanda phallus may have been a Roman lady's special friend for lonely nights, or it may have been a juvenile joke between two youths. But it definitely is a penis. Mm. I mean... 
Look at this thing. I mean, I th- I'm thinking it could have been used for something more mundane. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be a. Pe- Everything's a penis to these people. <laughs> I think this archaeologist was just like, "How do I get my name published in the journal?" <laughs> I know it's a penis. This is a nympho archaeologist. <laughs> like, that's a penis. That's a vagina. That's a penis. I would think a woman would be afraid to use a a, a wooden dildo just for like splinters. possible splinters. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would think, too. How'd they smooth that stuff out back then? <laughs> they just masturbated with it vigorously, <laughs> and eventually it became smooth. <laughs> like little porcupine vaginas. <laughs> Some guy shoving it up his ass. Um, so, that's my dildo story. Uh, AJ, what do you got for us? All right, that leads into my story. Man has penis chopped off after his doctor's medical mistake ends in amputation disaster. Man, I'm out of stories This is, this is one of the first story we've had like this. Yeah, th- uh, I think we had like a couple weeks ago a woman like... Oh, the motor... It. Yeah, I think this article even mentions the motorcycle accident we okay. talked about. Yeah. A surgeon in Italy will be investigated by the country's top health officials after he erroneously removed a man's penis. The urologist removed the uh, man's family jewels after he wrongly diagnosed him with a cancerous tumor. Uh, The unnamed patient has had his penis surgically removed at Arezzo's San Donato Hospital in November uh, 13, 2018. The ill-fated procedure occurred after the urologist incorrectly diagnosed the patient, understood to be a man in his late 60s, one month before the amputation occurred. Despite the misdiagnosis, the amputation went down without a hitch. So at least they got that a bit right. Um, Probably not the bit you want to muck up, though. Uh... Doctors made the sickening discovery during a post-op analysis of the man's now mutilated member. In a gut-wrenching moment, doctors found there were no tumor, there was no tumor at all and had removed the man's perfectly healthy penis for no reason at all. You heard that lady's perfectly healthy. The mortified patient is now seeking compensation in the wake of the massive medical stuff-up. Yeah, I would want... Millions. <laughs> As for ABC, the doctor responsible for the disastrous misdiagnosis will have spent. Uh, oh, we'll have to front court. We'll have front court. We'll have to. We'll have to front court to face down a judge and the man who. This is kind of misspelled, I think. Uh, who had his tallywhacker removed due to his incredible error? Uh, we don't use tallywhacker enough. Is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, lawyers for the injured man, understood to be age 69, nice, uh, <laughs> claimed that the stuff-up the stuff up was caused by mistakes that occurred during preliminary testing stages, which led to the mistaken tumor diagnosis. We need to know what these errors were so they don't happen again. Uh, but by the time medical experts identified the testing error, it was already too late. The case has been seen in court, or will be seen in court, March 9th in Arezzo. Um, in a sort of similar case in the U.S., police in Mobile, Alabama had the opposite issue uh, recently when someone discovered a human penis at a petrol station. It was particularly concerning as the decapitated doodle was not attached to a human body. Uh, police believe the mystery member may have been linked to a deadly crash nearby in which a motorcyclist came off his bike before he was struck by multiple vehicles on January 30th. Uh, Mobile police told Fox News that the odd discovery was not linked to a murder, assault, or any sort of grievous grievous bodily harm charge. Um, 
According to the Daily Record, CCTV footage from the scene showed a truck driving at the petrol station and the penis falling to the ground. Shortly after the petrol station worker discovered the bodyless penis in the parking lot, confirming the incident, they said it was a whole dick. I want to I see him trying to have to like Frankenstein this guy's wiener back on. They're like, it's still good. It's still good. No, no, no. Honest mistake. We can fix it. Like if you think somebody has a tumor, don't they usually do a biopsy? They're like, let's make sure this is a tumor before, you know. Oh, this is in Italy. I don't know what they do. <laughs> Apparently they just They're say, like, oh, oh, got a tumor. It looks like a tumor. Chop, chop. Man, a dick biopsy. I've got that lunch at 1130. <laughs> let's get this done. <laughs> Having sausages, bratwurst for lunch. <laughs> yeah. Doing like the game wasn't running. <laughs> oh man! This is why people don't want to go to the hospital. <laughs> the thing is, is like, did they test his dick after they took it off and been like, oh, this didn't have cancer at all? Apparently, yeah. Apparently, they looked at his situation where like uh i mean like you were saying you would think they would maybe do a little more testing on his dick before they removed it to make sure like even if i tested i'd be like come back and i just lie i'd be like yeah yeah it was cancer sorry that's the other thing i was thinking about like if i chopped this dude's dick off i'd be like i wouldn't tell him the truth yeah. i'd be like you you would have been dead within like two weeks sorry I saved your life yeah. i've been like yep that was a no good dick <laughs> We did the right thing. <laughs> Maybe you like try to fix it, be like, but we can get you a new dick. <laughs> it's like the revolutionary new thing where you like grow a dick on like some donor's forearm <laughs> or on a mouse or whatever. Yeah, that's the thing that conjured in my mind. It's like you know the how they like grow ears on the back yeah, of my. You grow a big old. There's this big old dick growing out of <laughs> mouse back. <laughs> A mouse is just pulling around like a porn star's dog. <laughs> it can barely walk. I know. <laughs> mouse trap. Um, man, I hope you guys have you get you guys are kind of killing my stores because like I had the two you had and then I had his Cadbury cream egg one. I'm like running low. Uh, does the manifesto have more for us? Yeah, uh, I think this might be my last one. Uh, we've talked before about how uh, Pablo Escobar, he bought hippos and brought them to Colombia. Right. And then basically when his empire collapsed, they escaped in the rivers and stuff, and they've been breeding, and they've just got this like invasive hippo problem. So uh, to solve this, they're talking about shipping them to India and Mexico. <laughs> Uh, I was like, why, why aren't they just like flying around in a helicopter shooting these things? <laughs> like, why are they, They're like, let's send them to India. Let's let's like, spread this problem around the world. <laughs> Wait, are, are hippos native to Mexico at all? No, they're no. Egyptian. Or <laughs> they're just like, let's spread this problem. <laughs> Maybe but they're going to zoos. I don't know. Escobar, like, yeah, he he had them brought in, and uh, they just yeah, they flourished. call them cocaine hippos. Yeah. Man, invasive species, it's such a weird thing, but, like, it does happen, like, quite a bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, we have that here with Burmese pythons in Florida. Yeah, they're going through the Everglades. Yeah. I was reading a story about how, like, one guy, like, he liked rabbits, and there's no rabbits native to Australia. And, like, he had, like, 22 rabbits, and he ended up letting them go. And then, like, in, like, a decade, there's, like, 3 billion rabbits yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, this is a problem. <laughs> and in Australia, apparently it was like so bad, they started like, they'd create diseases specifically for rabbits. And like, they'll give them one and like, 
it's 95 or 90% effective or whatever. It kills like 90% of the rabbits. And then like they've done it a couple times. Like it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I actually read a, like an article a couple weeks ago. I didn't end up using it, but it was like, they were trying to, I want to say they were trying to like reduce a certain fish population. So they were going to infect them with like a certain strain of herpes. <laughs> I know we've got one in America. It's like, I think it might be a type of, like Chinese carp or something, but it's uh, invasive in in our river systems. I've also heard of them doing like uh, mosquito populations. Yeah. Oh, they could kill all the mosquitoes. Genocide. Well, I think they release a bunch that are maybe impotent or something, and then like you know, like the real mosquitoes try to breed with them, and like they just have a, a shitty population, and most of them die out because it, they can't breed or whatever. Honestly, like mosquitoes kill more people than any other. Yeah, I think they've species killed more ever. than anything. Else. Mm-hmm. More. So like beings. if, like if we could like totally just like commit suicide on mosquitoes, yeah. like we would be humanity would be better off. Yeah. I mean, there are populations of animals. I think like birds and bats and stuff that do eat a lot of mosquitoes. So I mean, you know, there's always some balance there, but yeah, fuck mosquitoes. I mean, I don't even know if it can be argued that mosquitoes help humanity in any ways. The more of them they kill, I'm fine with pretty much. Yeah. What I want to know, like, it's weird because I've always been one of those people. If I go anywhere where those mosquitoes, I get this shit eaten out of me. Yeah. And like, but there's other people that they don't seem to hardly bother. And it's like. Yeah. What's the difference? Like, is there a difference between our bloods? I don't know if it's like, I don't know if there's a fact, but I've heard like it has something to do with the sugar content in your blood or something. It could. They might smell. Yeah. Something about your smell, like, pick up on. Hmm. Well, I was a fat kid. I probably had a lot of sugar in my system at all times. So maybe that is true. Sugar daddy. <laughs> Man, I honestly don't like I'm I have I've had some of these stories like in my queue here forever that I'm like, ah, these aren't good enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's try this one out. These are eight stupid and useless products that made their creators loads of money. Oh, okay. Mm. Number eight. The shake weight. Oh, Man, this thing from the start always looked like, I mean, yeah. like you're Shady, jerking somebody yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> South Park finally did that joke with like the, where yeah. it like actually squirts out yeah. thing on their face. Um, you've probably seen the shake weight. And if not that, then one of its countless parodies. The shake weight is a modified dumbbell that makes you look like, well, like you're playing with something phallic. And it doesn't work. The shake weight is less effective than regular exercise and burns fewer calories than walking. Yet it still earned its creators more than $40 million. That's power marketing. Why can't we create something stupid like that? <laughs> let's, let's do a whole line of exercise equipment that just look like you're fucking. Your- <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, number seven, the million-dollar homepage. Um, a pixel isn't much, just a regular 1080p display uh, like that you probably have on your phone or computer has more than two million of them. In 2005, 21-year-old British student Alex Tew created a website consisting of a million pixels. So yeah, that's less than a half of the pixels on your screen. He advertised that he would sell the pixels off $1 a pop. The website earned him a million dollars. I'd never even heard of this. Yeah. So kind of a strange gimmick. Yeah. But I mean, how do you own a pixel? I guess when you buy it, they just take it off the screen and say, and send you a receipt. <laughs> it sounds like charity. Uh, number six, the smiley face. 
Uh, you know the yellow smiley face? It was created in 1963 by Harvey Ball, who was paid $45 for it. Ball isn't the one who got rich off the design, though. Uh, since he never trademarked it, brothers Murray and Bernard Spain bought the rights to the smiley face and started the Smiley World Company. Within a year and a half, the brothers were worth $50 million. Today, the smiley face creates $250 million in profits every single year. Pretty good for a $45 initial investment. Forrest Gump lied to me. It's like they're leaving out a lot of information here. Like they didn't just make all that money off a smiley face. Uh, they did something. Stuff. I mean, they put it on everything: t-shirts, stickers, like so much stuff. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't like a. If some guy drew that picture for me, I wouldn't be like, "Oh, here's forty-five million dollars." Yeah, right. I'd be like, "Yeah, I'll give you a, you know five dollars on Fiverr for this." Yeah, that's true. Uh, number five. Oh yeah, I remember this one: the Snuggie. Have you ever heard anyone saying something positive about the Snuggie? This blanket with sleeves uh, gets about as much flack as Crocs. The ridiculous ads for the Snuggie didn't help its reputation one bit. By all logic, the thing should have crashed and burned. But here's the thing. The stupid marketing strategy was carefully crafted uh, play. The Snuggie's creator, uh, Scott Boylan, knew his product was ridiculous, so he decided to lean hard into it. And it worked. To this day, Boylan has made a sweet $200 million out of the stupid blanket, at least. I mean, wasn't the the Snuggie basically like a robe that people wore backwards or something like that? It was like a blanket. A blanket slash. with sleeves. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently he didn't even invent it. Like, it existed before. He, he just had great marketing. That's the thing is, like, even if you create something stupid, like, if your marketing works, you can sell it. Uh, number four, Beanie Babies. Oh boy, Beanie Babies. What is it about these things? They're not really any different from any other plushie. Yet people went absolutely nuts about them. Part of that was clever marketing. Their creator, Ty Warner, uh, decided to sell the plushies only in small independent stores instead of big toy chains, creating artificial scarcity. As the Beanie Baby craze shows... Uh, 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 people ate it up. Having launched in 1993, Warner's company made $700 million in just one year. By 1999, they were uh, raking it in at an annual rate of uh, $1 billion. Guess people want, uh, want what they can't easily get, even if it's just a plushie. Do they still make Beanie Babies, or did that market finally crash? Well, I, there was like a big bubble. I think it all burst. Yeah. I remember our grandma was big into them for a while. Yeah, it seems like she had some. She she definitely had some. I don't understand. Like, why? They're just little plushy toys. Yeah, just, just one of those weird crazes that comes around once in a while. But it's the artificial scarcity. You know, it probably does make some worth a lot of money. And, then, you know, it's well, kind of like the baseball card thing. I think for a while there were some that were worth a lot, but I'm sure there still are. Like, I'm, I bet there's a, still a market for the rare ones. But yeah, pretty crazy that they made that much money. Uh, number three, the iFart. Um, the early smartphone era really was a wild west for software developers. You could make basically any app and throw it on the Apple App Store. That's what Joel Com did. He created iFart, an iPhone app that makes a fart sound when you press a button. He started selling the app for 99 cents in 2008. The app spent weeks on the number one spot on the App Store's best-selling apps. Then it fell to number two, and we don't think anyone has recorded how long it stayed there. Today, iFart is among the top 20 best-selling iPhone apps of all time. While we don't have an exact number of how, many, uh, how much money Com has made from the app, he was bringing in $10,000 a day when iFart was at its most popular. Hmm. Conservative estimates say Com has made at least a couple million off the app. That makes for... Uh, 
That makes fart noises. Okay. Man, this one, the commercials for this one drove me freaking crazy. Yeah, Head sure. on. Apply directly to the forehead. Uh, it's amazing how bad this commercial is. It doesn't even tell you what head-on does, probably because it doesn't do jack. The stuff is supposed to relieve headaches, but it's just wax. There's nothing in it that could even remotely help with a headache. But its sales grew by more than 200% immediately after the irritating ad went on air. In just 2006, the producer uh, Siri Vision earned $6.5 million from a product that literally does nothing. Apply directly to the forehead. That one, that commercial, it was just repetitive. Head on, apply directly to the forehead. Head on, apply directly to the forehead. It just, I think it's just said it like three times in a row. Yeah. That commercial, definitely one of the worst ever. But like, you know, it's not on here, but um, what, what's that, that stuff? Um, uh, like the, the story is like a teacher made it and it's supposed to like it boost your immune system and make it so you don't get sick. Was it like one of those vitamin C ones? It probably had vitamin C in it. It was really famous for a time. God, why am I... Was it air something? What was it? God, I can't remember. But anyway, there was a story that it was basically BS too, and that it didn't really do anything. Uh, but, God, I can't remember. Airborne? What, airborne, yes. I was like, air... I thought it had the word air in it. Yeah, airborne. Apparently, maybe, maybe nothing. <laughs> and then number one, the probably... Uh, you know, I knew about these, but I don't think I've ever actually knew anyone that had one. Uh, Pet Rocks. Uh, this is it, the most pointless, useless product ever made, and it turned its inventor into a millionaire. The Pet Rock is exactly what it sounds like. It's a rock with googly eyes glued to it. You could probably make one yourself for less than a dollar. But Gary Dahl, the creator of the Pet Rock, sold them in 1975 for three ninety-five per rock. And for a brief period of time, people went nuts for them. The fad didn't last long, probably because uh, people realized that the pet rock is literally just a rock. But Dahl said nearly five million of them uh, sold nearly five million of them in their launch year. The man earned more than fifteen million by selling rocks. Was it the his idea was stupid, or we we were stupid for buying into it? Don't listen to him, Rocky. <laughs> <sighs> just awful. Yeah, I'm looking at these. Um, like, I knew they, there was, like, different, like, fart machines and stuff. I don't think I, I knew specifically about the iFart app. You know, I knew things like that existed. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I used, like, free farting apps, like, back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> the Napster farting apps. <laughs> the record button. <laughs> That's true. You can just, like, yeah, you can just fart your own. Record your own. Use them as a, a text tone or something. <laughs> I've never thought of doing that, like funny fart noises when you for your text uh, tone. I'm sure they exist. You want to just walk around like random fart. <laughs> like the one time in your life you talk to a girl and you get a phone call. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> just getting a bunch of messages. <laughs> Where are we at on time? Uh, we are just barely over the hour. Do you guys want to wrap it up, or if you guys got yeah, any... I got nothing good. Yeah, my last story's all right. Yeah, I think I, I exhausted all my stories. That's why I had to, <laughs> to use that one, finally. Um, but we do hope you guys still got some enjoyment out of this week's episode. Uh, if you will, please, please, please uh, subscribe both to the YouTube channel and to the podcast on your YouTube or your podcast service of choice. Uh, give us thumbs up, uh, positive reviews, comments... Um, all that good stuff, and then come over and talk to us on the social media network known as Twitter. Guys, where can people find you? 
At a name for this too, and that's number two. At unsolicited S U G. And you can of course find me at Zach Jones Live. That's Z A C H J O N E S L I V E. And that is going to do it for all of our shenanigans of Poppycock this week. Please, please, please tune in again next week. Bye, guys. Take care. Yeah, have a good one.